Welcome to Talking Far, Far Away. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. You are not a Jedi yet. Join Brick City Blockade as we discuss the canon of a galaxy far, far away. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not call on yours, Jedi. The Empire is coming to town. We have a Death Star. We've tested it twice. Tracking down rebels and ending their lives. The Empire is coming to town. I have a very bad feeling about this. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another awesome episode of Talking Far, Far Away. In this episode, we've got a lot to break down. It's an early Christmas, or at least a set of early Christmas gifts from Star Wars announced just a couple of days ago. You guys can listen to Talking Far, Far Away with Caden Patrick from Rebel Cause. That has some interesting stuff about this breaking news. However, finally, I get to sit down with my good Scottish friend, Mr. Scott Inch. Scott, how's everything going? It is going well. Uh, a lot of news dropped over the past few days, and... I don't know how to take it. I think I might just have to sit down, which I seem to be doing. So, yes, I'm sitting down. <laughs> You're absolutely right. There's just so much happening right now in the Star Wars universe. Let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into it, Scott. First, your thoughts on this announcement, because I talked with Caden about it, but I haven't heard your thoughts on this yet, about Ryan Johnson helming three more Star Wars films, a brand new trilogy. We don't have a timetable yet. But your thoughts on him coming back in? They must have some trust in him based on what The Last Jedi is doing. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, seeing the trailers for The Last Jedi has given me a lot of confidence that he's going to deliver what the fans are wanting. Mm-hmm. Um, so because of that, and after with, after with Kathleen Kennedy, Bob Iger, everybody at Disney and Lucasfilm have seen this movie, it's been completed for about a month, month and a half now. Um, they've watched it and they're very, they're very pleased with what he's delivered, the product he's presented to, to them, and for us to enjoy in a month's time. Um, they went, yep, we're going to take him, Ryan Johnston, and we're going to have him usher in a new trilogy. Um, it's not going to be connected. So far, we're aware this is not part of the saga of the episodic, so it's not going to be connected as a brand new character that nobody has played with. Um, there's been a lot of discussion online. We've all had a, a chat about it in our Facebook uh, group in the chat, and I think we've all agreed what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, really exciting news coming about, and hopefully, I think it will be after. 2021 where we see it, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see how they play this out, Scott. Um, I'm, I'm, let's, let's really dig into this because I think there's a lot here that we could really synthesize, not necessarily speculate, but kind of discuss in depth. Um, I, I know what you're talking about. When we were talking in the discussion group, I mean, it was almost unanimous. Everybody was like, yeah. Let's do some Old Republic with these next three films, especially with the tone of The Last Jedi and what Ryan Johnson, just through the trailers, what we've seen. I think that's the tone that he's been able to capture here. And boy, if we could take what Luke's character is, and let really kind of like imbalanced um, from what we've seen so far, um, imbalanced character, and he's really going through trials and tribulations 
moving away from the traditional sense of the Jedi, uh, I stimulate that right back to Darth Revan, and I stimulate that right back to some of the old Republic characters that we've seen play out. Scott, your thoughts on that? Because I think there could be some playing that Ryan Johnson could do with some of these characters that we got to know through not only the game, but through the novels. Yeah, I mean, Darth Revan will definitely be one that I would like to see. If it is going to be Old Republic, I think it will be. It's going to be a corner of the universe. It's never been explored before. This and what's been explored, the prequels, the sequels, the original trilogy. Um, so yeah, I think we're going into Old Republic. So yeah, Darth Revan, um, if you played the online game, you've got a lot there you can go through. Probably one that will get you all sweaty is the Mandalorian Jedi. Yes. More so we could get that. But I think what everybody will want to see is either the beginnings of the Jedi or the Jedi Sith War, which mm. we've never seen. We've, it's always been spoken about in Legends, um, and it has been spoken about in the in the, the prequels and the, the other timelines and um, but maybe the other one is Darth Bane yes the, yeah. how, how the rule of two came about because we've always heard that there's always been a master and apprentice and it'd be interesting to see how that plays about I mean, we do know that Darth Bane is canon if you've watched the Clone Wars uh, Lost Missions he disappeared in that, and he is voiced by Mark Hamill himself. That's true. There is a connection in terms of, you know, popular Star Wars uh, voices and people playing important voices within characters within the Star Wars universe. So I think Darth Bane is somebody that I've brought up with Caden that I think I've had a discussion with a couple of fans on Twitter that Darth Bane would be a really, really cool character to to break down just because of his significance Darth Bane and the Rule of Two is what formulated the Palpatine-Invader relationship. And now we're kind of seeing whether it reigns to be true um, between Snoke and Kylo Ren. That same idea of the Rule of Two, there can only be two Siths or two Dark Side users uh, in cohortion together at the same time. Um, but Darth Bane would be a really cool person. Scott, let me ask you this because being novel people and being people who love the Star Wars canon. When I hear them say that these are brand new characters and these are newer stories that we're going to be telling, there's something inside me that says, now hold on a second. For people who don't read the novels and for people who don't really dig into the canon so much, something like the Aftermath trilogy is would be considered a new story and new characters cinematically. Yeah. Your thoughts on that, because in my head I'm saying, yeah, Old Republic would be great, but they do have some of these stories that they could play out. Lost Stars is another great example of something that Ryan Johnson could really try to capture throughout three films, knowing the density of that book. Maybe he works in co coercion with Claudia Gray on that one. I don't know, but I think the novels could have some play in there just because cinematically we have not seen them play out yet no um i mean you brought it up the aftermath trilogies other than um, the the movies themselves and within the new canon the aftermath trilogy is basically 
a trilogy that's the first trilogy in books that came about, unless you count um, the, you know, Catalyst, Rogue One and mm. Rebel Rising, that's kind of a trilogy there in itself. True. Uh, um, but the Aftermath trilogy has got new characters that have came about, so you've got, even though Ray Sloan has appeared in New Dawn, that's a character that seems to go through quite a lot and mm-hmm. she her name's popped up in quite a few books um, and the comics she popped up in Shattered Empire as well. Um, so yeah, that's a character that we've spoken about her before on one of the reviews after after my Empire's Day. So there's a character there. Um, the rebel groups, none of them being core rebels that were, you know, oh. Leia, Luke and Han, even though they do appear in the Aftermath trilogy, um, Sinjar and all that, they, they're all new characters that we get to fall in love with, we get to enjoy, like Mr. Bones, there's another one. Mm-hmm, Mr. Boy. Um, he's like, Roger, Roger, but kind of a joking kind of way. Um, and then you've got Brendel Hux, um, uh, Galish Rex, you know, all these new characters that, to us, to us Star Wars fans, who have been reading the new canon, those are new characters that were kind of like, oh my God, these are great characters. Um, so I think for... I mean, new audiences are getting who don't read the books. I mean, Rafe and, and Poe, these are all new characters that are all getting to introduce. And then we had Jin and... Oh, the characters right uh, out of my head. He was... Well, Cassie Nandor and... Yeah, the KTSO and all that. So these are new characters people got to enjoy. But to see a whole trilogy, three movies of an arc of new characters... That's his saying as well. Right, yeah. It's something that I think Star Wars fans, hopefully it is Old Republic, hopefully it's something that we can go back to and that there's technically, I mean, let's think about this. If they do go back to the Old Republic and they want to really get into those stories, do we suddenly see a canonization of those novels, Scott? Possibly. Because I don't see how they can do an Old Republic film or a series of Old Republic films when that lore is sitting there. And unless they unless they completely surprise us and rewrite the story of Darth Revan in some ways, which would be fascinating to see how Orion Johnson could do that. However, I think that those novels are so ingrained in us as Star Wars fans, like the hardcore novel Star Wars fans, that it's hard for us to say, you know what? Let's let's take our shoes off and let's look at this as a non-novelist and let's look at this as somebody who just goes to the movies to see Star Wars on the screen because of that story. Yeah, I mean, I mean a lot of it's these... It's a tough line. It is a tough line, but we must remember, even though those, those comics and books and games that were made, said the Old Republic... They're no longer canon, they're, no, they're part of legends. So, in a way, fight Ben Solo, that bits and drabs were taken there from the new, from legends and brought over. Like Thrawn himself, Thrawn was brought over mm-hmm. um, for Rebels and they kept all the characteristics and Rook, or however, however you pronounce it, Rook, or, he's been brought over. So, um, 
there are probably elements if it's Darth Revan uh, he will be brought over from the games but they'll probably do it in a way because you've got to the way Darth Revan goes if you played the Knights of the Old Republic game is you've got Darth Malak as well uh-huh. so you're having to those two characters are entwined with each other so you'd have to work with to bring these two characters in and ha- and try and do a really great way of getting new audiences into it, but without not upsetting the current fans. Yeah. If you see where I'm going with that. Yeah, you're right. You almost have to relate it to something that's already out there. Like we always talk as Star Wars fans, trying to capture that Game of Thrones type attitude with these films, because you do have to say, and I, as a fan, I, I, I don't really want Lucasfilm coming out and saying, guess what? Next three films, Old Republic, it's going to feel like Game of Thrones. No, just just kind of say, you know what? You're going to notice some tones that are similar. Um, I, I don't think they would do that. However, I'm going to be so fascinated, Scott, in seeing how people handle when that announcement comes out about what these th- three films are. And I know that's far, far, far down the road here. But I think... As Star Wars fans, we're going to look at it and be like, wow, we've come a long way in just a period of like four to five years here. Yeah, we've came pretty far. I mean, when it all, I mean, it came up a Facebook page the other day of uh, um, my mate Ross, he actually linked us in on the day that it got announced, which was in 2012. Yeah. That there was. Disney have bought Lucasfilm, they were going to do these new movies. Two years later, we got the first photo of the new cast together um, with the old cast. And then a year later, we got um, Force Awakens. So since really mm, 2014, when it, when we started seeing everything come together with Rebels and A New Dawn and all the new canon books, mm. um, I mean, we're now almost heading into 2018. That's four years of a lot of stuff. And it's like, I need a break. But you don't want to take a break because there's something new coming around the corner. There's a lot that's happening in terms of not just canon and the novels, but I think cinematically, Hmm. Star Wars and and specifically Lucasfilm has built a winning formula going forward. Whether we see that with the Han Solo film, with everything that it's been through, you know, in Ron Howard, we trust on that one. But I think overall, it's one of those things you just kind of sit back and you're like, huh, this, this, this is quite amazing that um, between this amount of time, we've been able to get an animated show, a couple of other shorter animated uh, featured things, you know, obviously three films, including um, The Last Jedi here, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. And I'm so glad that of all the directors, Scott, that they wanted to put on these three films, they didn't come out and say, you know what, we're going to try Lord and Miller again. We're going to give them three films, and we're going to see what they can do with it, and let's make a Jar Jar Binks trilogy. No, they said that they wanted somebody who has experience, and if we're knowing Ryan Johnson and what he did with Looper, man, if we could get that out of three films, that would be fantastic. Yeah, Ryan Jones is definitely the person to do this. Um, I mean, we could have got Lord and Miller and we could have had the... Ahmed Besker came back and done Jar Jar Binks and then truly killed him off. Uh, <laughs> as he requested 
to who have a Jar Jar killed off. Um, I think that would be a great movie, actually. A great trilogy, a Jar Jar Binks trilogy. I'm yeah. sure Jim would love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim would absolutely love to be spending, you know, $15 a ticket just to go see. Misa, uh, haha! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jim Robert's big setup, big shout out to the man. Um, we put him through the ringer when it comes to Jar Jar Binks and, uh, and Ahmed Best, and it's one of those things. It's like, would I have liked to have? Seen, and guess what, Scott? If they do do after, if they, I just said do do. Um, if they do the Star Wars aftermath trilogy, and you're talking about Empire's End, spoiler alert here, you will get to see Jar Jar cinematically as a clown. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't say Jim would appreciate that. <laughs> Misa, so you know tricks? No, I I don't think Jim would care for Jar Jar juggling and then suddenly going into a really deep depression and then suddenly it becomes an internet meme. We don't need any of that no, uh, no. cinematically. And I think, I mean, it could be an extra Musings of the Dark Side episode if it happens. But um, Scott, one, one of the other things I really want to talk about is, which was part... Which is really cool about this announcement that we got about the um, the Ryan Johnson homing the next three films, and also the announcement of a live action TV show or a series of shows. Um, I guess you could say it's more of a series that's going to yeah. be on the Disney streaming service um, very, very soon. Obviously, in the near future. Um, your thoughts on that announcement? Because that is the one that took me by surprise. Yeah, they didn't. It wasn't announced on the Star Wars website. That's that's the funny thing. It was announced elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I saw it on Colibri.com or someone sent me a link to it. I was like, what? And then when I read it, I thought they were going to do, you're going to be laughing at this, a Monsters Inch slash High School Musical series. I'm like, that'd be awful. I don't want to see that. Um, Star Wars holiday special again. Uh, ah. <laughs> it'd be Arthur saying, "There you go." Um, but no, um, I'm quite, I'm quite, I'm quite happy about that actually. Um, there has been talks, especially Christian Harloff over at Collider. He mentioned about um, it could be the Underworld series that George Lucas came up with about ten years ago. But he mm. had to put it aside because he. He knew that the technology wasn't there or it was going to be too expensive to actually do it. And there was about 100 episodes written for it. Uh, if George Lucas wrote it, I think it would just need a wee tiny bit of touch-up. Um, no disrespect to George Lucas. I mean, we all, all, all worship the shrine of George Lucas, but um, mm-hmm. his writing can be a bit clunky. Um, if you've read or have watched the prequels or read um, how Star Wars Coco Universe it can, it has mentioned that George Lucas is, uh, right, it can be a bit clunky it, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it the question is what kind of series will it be on and I don't know if we'll get the Disney app over here in the UK that's the funny thing Right, yeah, I mean there really hasn't been any um, official terms on where this app or when it's going to be available or specifically what's going to be involved in it, which has been very fascinating. And I think that's why it took me by surprise when I saw those other outlets starting to report on it. It's like, we don't really know much about this 
the streaming service to begin with. So to say that they're doing a Star Wars focused live action TV show, it's it's to me it's a little premature. However, it's a good discussion starter about the direction that Lucasfilm wants to go with Star Wars. My mind first, Scott, goes to maybe this is where the Mandalorian uh, Game of Thrones type show goes to. Maybe this is going to be something more in depth. Maybe this is going to be, I, I mean, you want to talk about something cool, taking one of the Rebels characters like Sabine or something. What happens if Sabine survives in Rebels? Let's, let's drag that out a little bit more. Maybe she goes back to Mandalore. Or even, to be completely honest with you, we know Hera survives all the way up until um, through Endor. Let's get some more Hera somewhere in a live action show. That would be really fun. Yeah, that would be great to see. I, I would personally want to take it a bit further than um, that period because, I mean, I as much as I love that period, I think it's now been done too much. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the whole original trilogy, because if you've, the comics have been doing it, the Rebels has been doing it, and Rogue One, so it's all we've done so much in that universe. I don't know how much more you could do. Really, because you know the state of the galaxy, um, you could head off to another part of the galaxy in that time period and somewhere that's not had been heavily affected. But I prefer this, this if it, the live action series to go further to after Return of the Jedi and kind of do something in that vein of how the galaxy is adapting, adapting to post the Empire. Mm. And do it in a kind of Game of Thrones because. The political system, if you've read Empire's End or actually the Aftermath series, you could tell that the New Republic was still causing, still wasn't and going quite well at the start. I mean, Mon Mothra, people wasn't really comfortable with her leading it, you know, all these sort of things. And that, that could play into a really great series. Yeah, um, I think if it doesn't happen with the trilogy of films, I think you bring up a really good point, Scott, that maybe we do see the Aftermath trilogy take on itself within a live-action TV show. Maybe we see these characters um, in that format. Um, I mean, either way, to be honest with you, um, I think for Star Wars fans' purposes, no matter really what they give us in in either the the cinematic three films that Ryan Johnson's going to do or in this live action TV series that has been reported about. Um, I think we'll all pretty much be jumping on the bandwagon of it and we'll probably have review shows uh, for that, for that show. I I can imagine, but Scott, it's a, it's really been amazing that um, I think over the last, let's say the last month to round it, um, everything that has happened in terms of trailers being released, TV spots, and then this announcement do you think that there's an overall plan by Lucasfilm? Because in my mind, why we haven't received a Han Solo announcement yet, supposedly what, what has been reported on is that this is all part of their meetings with investors, that all this stuff came out because they included it in these meetings. I think Disney is looking, and Lucasfilm with Kathleen Kennedy, is looking to expand, 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 and let's keep putting out this stuff to fans and getting the positive reactions because that means more investment 
and obviously with Star Wars Land uh, just around the corner uh, heading into these next couple years really um, I, I think that Disney and Lucasfilm is preparing for the long run and that's why this is happening yeah yeah I mean Kathy Kennedy was on Star Wars show um, she said that they they're planning for the next 10 years so I, I'm not quite surprised that we got the news out now. Um, I, I mean, I was surprised when I read it. So, mm-hmm. oh my God. Um, but I think we all knew that we were going to get the news coming about, you know, more movies coming. Um, and I kind of also know that there were, there was people talking about after episode nine, get that, get the saga break. Mm-hmm. And they come back 10, 5, 10 years down the line. And with these characters, Rafe and Poe, and carry on their story, find out what happens to the galaxy post episode nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was I wasn't surprised, and I think it's at this moment in time, because it's I was joking earlier on the suit of my mate Ross. Uh, we're in the season of um, I said Cliff Richard because we're now in Christmas season uh, <laughs> and we start getting Cliff Richard songs. If you don't know who that is, he's a British singer that comes out with, who has a lot of Christmas songs. Um, but he joked about saying it's Star Wars season. <laughs> so <laughs> I think this is the third year where we're kind of in the Star Wars season, so we've got so much coming out. But I have a question for you. Yeah. With this new now, Dave Lorry, after he announced that Rebels was coming to an end uh, uh, celebration earlier this year, and somebody shouted out, "What's next?" Do you think that Dave Lorry isn't doing an animated series? He's doing a live action series. I think it goes even farther beyond that. I think, um, I think Disney's overall plan and Lucasfilm's overall plan is that Filoni does do, you know, Rebels, yes, he's proven himself with Clone Wars. He's now proven himself with Star Wars Rebels. I totally believe he's going to be helming the live-action series, and I think he's going to be doing it under the guidance of whoever else is going to be co-producing with him. And and hopefully what I would like to see is some of the novelists starting to come in and help Mm. co-produce. I'd like to see Claudia Gray come in and help with some of the writing. I want to see Timothy Zahn and Chuck Wendig start to come in and see their names on the co-production piece. I personally think, and I'm going to make a bold prediction right now, Scott, that you asked that question. The year 2020, we're going to see Dave Filoni become the the president of Lucasfilm. I, I am almost, I am almost 100% on that. I think that they're preparing him. They're saying, you know what? Let's give you some more time with some Star Wars story and we're going to move Hidalgo up and we're going to move you up because you guys are really, I have to admit it, Dave Filoni and Hidalgo alone and some of the great people behind the scenes there at Lucasfilm, they are pushing this thing forward. And I think Kathleen Kennedy is at the point where it's like, you know what? I've, I've been here. I've helped jumpstart this thing after we bought it. And Bob Iger has been wonderful about supporting me along the way. And I think Kathleen Kennedy won't step away officially, but she's going to let Filoni work with her on continuing um, all these things and all these fran- you know, all these films and stories forward. So to answer your question, Scott, without rambling too much here, um, which I've already failed at miserably, um, 
yes, I think Filoni is going to be uh, directing and helping to produce this live action TV series with the guidance of others. And I do see him uh, taking over Lucasfilm at some point because I think that'd be great for Star Wars. I think I think as fans, we would like to see that too. Yeah, it would be great because he, he knows Star Wars. I mean, he's worked under George Lucas. Like, he knows George Lucas. He's, he was George Lucas' um, apprentice, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, to, I mean, to Star Wars fans, we, we know who he is. Uh, but I don't think the general movie, the movie goers who just go to see the, the TV, sh- uh, to see the movies, won't know who he is. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I could, I could mention the guy's name to um, five people, and they wouldn't know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, if he did step into that shoes of um, of taking over in two thousand and twenty, did you say? Yeah, just right around two thousand twenty. Um, he's got the support of the fans, so that we could tell those the. People who just will go and see the movies. He's great. He knows what he's talking about. Dave Lowry is the perfect guy to run the ship. The, question, the only thing is, is he will to deal with the business side of it as well and report to whoever's running Disney at the time because I don't know if Bob Iger's still running Disney at that time. But um, yep. yeah, I, I, I would like to hope that he'd be the next person in charge. If not, it'd probably carry heart. And she might continue on with it and have everybody, but just move Dave Loney around a wee bit so he's got more of an influence. But the way Dave Loney talks sometimes, I think he kind of still wants to just keep his hands in the cookie jar by producing a lot of the a lot of the shows and etc. But yeah. he also did confirm that Thrawn did survive the end of Rebels as well. Mhm, mhm. Which also adds a lot more to that character's backstory. And I think it confirms it confirms for us as Star Wars fans that yeah, they have some other plans for that character, um, no matter what direction it wants to go. And I want to make something clear to Star Wars fans: me saying that Kathleen Kennedy's going to step down in 2020, that's that's a pretty large order, and my confidence level will probably change over time. And what I tr- truly mean by that for the Star Wars community is that. There would be even a chance where if Dave Filoni was to take that seat, the Kathleen Kennedy would go higher up in the Disney ladder, that she would even take over for Bob Iger at that point because he has so much trust in her. I cannot believe anytime I see a Disney statement or you see some of their annual meeting reports that come out that they release online, it, it is absolutely amazing. Her name comes up and there's nothing but positive stuff associated with Kathleen Kennedy. So just to make that clear is that if Filoni does go up, so does Kathleen Kennedy and so does her role because she knows how to run a business. Yeah. I mean, I can just see Kathleen Kennedy and uh, um, Kevin Feige just um, setting a bathtub uh, with money all over them. <laughs> <laughs> and then if they get the Fox deal as well, where they buy some of the Fox stuff. Yeah, yeah. More money. So here's to hoping that they get the X-Men and Fantastic Four back. Yeah, because, that, that I mean, I, this has really become a Disney conversation, which I think is important, though, Scott, because with The Last Jedi right around the corner, I mean, again, we've seen so much progression in these films and in the canon novels and everything. 
again, they're not slowing down anytime soon. I I even sometimes question whether there is going to be a gap between nine and ten because of the track that that they're going on. Excuse me, um, between these films, but they have so many resources to fill in that time gap if they choose it. Like you said, Scott, um, if they do decide to take, yeah, let's let's do a five to eight year gap and let these characters mature outside of their characters in the this galaxy far, far away so that we can come back to their stories. There's just so much they could fill that timeline in with. It is just absolutely. And I never thought I would say that. I never thought we'd be saying that. I, I mean, I would, because uh, for all we know, episode nine could end on a downer. That would be sad. I, that would be sad, but I mean, I mean, all I'm saying is it could end on a high note or it could end on a low note. And then that kind of leaves it to go into episode uh, 10 and a few years down the line. So, because it's not like back in the days of when George did that and you knew you were getting four, five, or six, and that was it. And then he went back and did one, two, three. Um, but yeah, actually, look at it, even though it's a prequel trilogy and the original trilogy, it is one story, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, episode three did end in a kind of hopeful but sad note. Yeah. So episode nine could end on a hopeful but sad note or a, or a, or a hopeful note. We, we're different, we're playing in a different ball game than we did 10 years, like 12 years ago when episode three yeah. came out. So I, I wouldn't say that, you know, I'm not going to, I, I wouldn't say that episode nine is just going to be like, that's the end of the trilogy, we move on to the next part. I think it could end on a, it's, it's a quite a wee bit of a sad note because with episode eight we're going straight into episode eight right from episode seven. There's no tight, no gap, and I, I I've always thought about that. Maybe the the new sat new trilogy isn't going to be straightforward as like ending like the last trilogies. Yeah, they they're able to manipulate it in a way where. Um, it kind of keeps, and, and I keep going back to this, um, Scott, I don't know if you do this as well, but what we've seen with the force awakens, I think the last Jedi, and it's kind of been teased at a little bit here and there by a lot of reports that we, there is going to be a little bit of a prequel twist to it. You're going to see a lot of elements of the prequels. Jaja. Yeah. Well, well, that's the second time that name has been dropped on here and enough is enough. Um, (laughs) but at the same time, it's like. There, there really, there are elements of it that I feel like, and I, I love your point about episode three because if they ended episode nine with that whole betrayal idea, and that there's this this newer story, you know what I mean? Episode three just teased the beginning of obviously Luke Skywalker's story and everything at the very end of it. So it's kind of like, mm, you know what? It, there is something more to it, and it also did a really good job. Uh, uh, yes, Jim Roberts, I'm, I'm actually praising the prequels for you um that it teased the death star as well so it also gave us a nice balance of yep this is what happens after this with rogue one and catalyst and everything and then also looking even beyond that this is luke skywalker's story that we see play out so i'm telling you if episode nine can do that scott we're on a good path yeah definitely so one of the last things that I want to talk to you about here is kind of like your little bit of a, of a canon review. I know you've been keeping up as much as you can, better than I have with the uh, canon stuff out there. And I know you had just recently uh, 
finish the Phasma novel, which I think is a, a fascinating conversation alone. I want to hear your overall thoughts on that novel because I think uh, there, there's a lot of people out there that are kind of half and half on this one. Um, yeah, I've got a Phasma novel. You can was, be honest. It's okay. Uh, 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 let's put it this way. Um, think of it like Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. Where you know you go, half of Batman v Superman is great, and don't get me wrong, I I really like Batman v Superman, especially mm-hmm. the extended edition. Yes, fills in gaps, uh, etc. Um, but what I'm trying, my point is, it was not the book that I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of jumping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, that kind of starts to kind of get a bit wary after a while. Um, so overall, I'll just indicate what I mean. As you're, you're going to Phasma's homeworld, where she bumps into, where she encounters Brendel Hux. Mm-hmm. And now... It's quite funny because in this one, in the Phasma novel, you see her face, whereas in the second issue of the Phasma comic, <laughs> she's some, some kind of robotic head. But when you told when you showed me that comic, uh, no, wait, you didn't, because I had read it when I was over. Um, yeah. You mentioned something about it, and uh, I... When I was in the hotel, my hotel room that night, I read it, and then we had a chat about it the following day. Um, and then reading, listening to the Phasma novel, it kind of clicked that she doesn't want anybody to see her face, so that's why she finds something else to wear. So I don't think she's got a robotic head, as everybody makes it out to be. Huh. That's my personal thing. Um, but also, you kind of see her... Phasma is kind of... The things I picked up on was she was the kind of the person that would go out of her way to destroy her enemies. Um, and she won't be very... She would stab you in the back. She's, to me, she doesn't seem all that allegiance to the First Order. I mean, for all we know, Phasma could be the the overall arc and villain of this, this saga. Right. Um, it was nice that, I mean, I think I told you when that name dropped, uh, Ray Sloan, and I kind of geeked out. Mm-hmm. So, once again, that character, Ray Sloan, is everywhere in the in the, in the book canon or comic canon universe, and we still haven't seen her on the screen yet. Yeah. Look at well, get her on screen. Um, yeah, it was an interesting comic, an interesting book. It's just not one of my favorites yeah i can understand that um i finished reading the phasma novel not too long ago and i've been reading the phasma series of comics from marvel and i'm similar to you scott it's like yep the first part of it yep you know what but once i once it's like when again you made the perfect analogy when you see the extended version of batman versus superman the extended um, cuts and everything. It, it's kind of like, okay, all right, now you're giving me a little bit more to work with. But at the same time, I get a little concerned now that we're, you know, we're obviously heading into The Last Jedi and Phasma's in it. And I read this novel 
and I read the comic books and the story progression of Phasma is still very much up in the air for me. It, we still haven't received what we want from this character because we're told that she is th this ruthless, ruthless person who is training these First Order troopers to not be human, but to be almost robotic in their ways. And I just don't get that tone from this novel and this comic book. The closest thing to robotic was that head that she had on, that or whatever that mask was. That's the only thing robotic about Phasma that I've seen up until this point. And she still hasn't fired a blaster cinematically. So I, I think that where Delia S. Dawson, I give her the credit because she was tasked with writing the story of somebody who is so brand new and so underdeveloped in terms of the canon up until this point. I, I get a little bit concerned, Scott, that where we we did have a novel about Phasma and it's nice to know this, that could have been a place where we could have had a story about somebody else. We could have had, sorry to say it, I'm going to say it, a Finn novel. I want to know Finn's backstory, unless that gets answered cinematically. Um, I, I would like to get a, even just a little bit more in there about what his training was like. I know before the awakening kind of does that a little bit, but uh, just some more in there about what it was like for him to go from human to this programmed first order trooper who, who obviously decided to defect and did not want to do what he was doing anymore. So I'm being, I, I'm probably being a little bit more critical of it, but I think, um, I think we're on the same page, Scott, that, you know what, it, it didn't do what we wanted it to do. But it may it may do it for others. Other readers out there may enjoy it. They may like the backstory. This is just our opinions on it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of taken away from the mystery of Phasma mm -hmm. by doing this. Um, I mean, I would implore anybody to read that just to kind of get their own ideas of what they thought of it. Um, and we're not we're not being negative. I mean, it's it's no, it's nice to get criticism. Yeah, it's nice to get that 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 nice background of Phasma. But to me, I just part of me just wishes they just left that alone and just left it with the comic. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is you had this book and the comic both coming out at the same time. Yes, yeah, simultaneous release on those. Yeah, so it was like you read the book but read the comic. And then get both, and I think it was just about overkill. Um, yeah, I, I think the comic would have done better because it would have gave us a wee bit more of who Phasma was. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, some people could argue the same when it came to Anakin. Like, you got the backstory of Anakin in the prequels, and some people said that it diminishes Vader a bit. Uh, but then, if you go into the Clone Wars TV series, I feel it kind of improves Anakin a bit more and kind of gives you a wee bit more of the why he became Vader other than the fact that it was to save Padme's life. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had a few books that have basically been about the character. So you've had Thrawn, you've had um, Tarkin, you've had Phasma, you've had Ahsoka, um, Right now you've got the Leia and the loop books out. I just started reading the Leia Princess of Alderaan book. Mm -hmm. Um and that from the first chapter it seems quite an interesting book. So and again it's by Claudia Gray. 
anything Claudia Gray does for the Star Wars universe, I'll read. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, um, I'm, I mean, Plurie, as I said, I'd implore everybody to read that. It's an interesting book, but it's just not one of my favorites. Yeah, it, th that's the whole point, um, is that, you know what, it may not be for us, but it, it may be for somebody else that really wants to get into that character. Everybody has their own reading style. Everybody has their own interests in the Star Wars universe when it comes to canon. Scott and I like to focus a lot on the legends and the character stories and things like Empire's End and stuff where we really get in-depth uh, background knowledge on things. But sometimes people just want a story. They want to get to learn about a character in a very different formula and in a very different way. So we do recommend that you go out there and you read these books because it and it allows you to really say, okay, you know, you say this all the time, Scott, with your canon timeline stuff, is that, you know what, sometimes you have to pick and choose what you want. That's the beauty of this canon is that you don't always have to go in order. You can go, go here and there and here and there in the timeline. Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm like, the minute it comes out, I'm buying it. <laughs> the, 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 the person working in a bookshop, I can get the, I, just, I can easily get these books. Because um, I'm like, oh, look what I have. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you just want a story. In a way, this book is telling a story in a story. Yeah, that's true. The way it's, um, the way it's, it's talked about. Um, but yeah, I say it all the time. You can pick and choose. You don't have to be like me and try and read everything that's possible. I mean, there's a lot of the the young kids' novels that I just I don't have time to read. Um, a lot of that doesn't really affect the overall Star Wars arc. Mm -hmm. um, I would probably say that the, the young adult and the the no, the novels that are for the adult novels, if if you could say, are really the ones, and the comics are really the ones that were uh, that are more focused on the Star Wars lore than the young adult, than the, the young kids age range five to twelve. That's me being a bit seller telling you how a section works. Yeah, it's very true. There's just so much out there for you, Star Wars fans. Please make sure to head on over to BrickCityBlockade.com. Check out the Canon timeline. Um, please make sure to check out everything. We'll always be announcing new canon that comes out across our social media and everything. Very, very good stuff. All right, Mr. Scott Inch, I think it's that time of the show. Uh, let me think. Oh, it's plug time. Oh, plug time. Mr. Scott Inch, where can the good people find you across social media? Uh, you can find me Try very hard to listen to... Uh, from a set point of view, and we did lay at the same time, so I'll try my best. Uh, but you can find me on Facebook at Scottish or at Twitter at Scottish85. You guys can follow me over on Twitter at Mr. Vote Tweets. Please make sure to head on over to Instagram. Follow me at The Official Vote. Please also make sure to head on over to www.brickcityblockade.com for all your Star Wars news, everything in the canon, and everything happening here at the network. And please make sure to head on over to iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and comment. For epic guests like Rebel Cause, Xena Duncan, Amy Wishman Nalen, and many more in the coming future. It is what it is your discussion that drives this podcast network and your fandom that makes it all possible. And the last shout out. 
please make sure to head on over to tpublic.com. Support the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network by picking up one of our T-shirts. We have Porgus Borg over there. We have our Can't Wait for Eight T-shirt. Scott, I hear you laughing. It's it's still a, a pretty cool shirt. We also have, speaking of Thrawn, the uh, Can You Smell What the Thrawn is Cooking, made possible by Mr. Scott Inch himself, um, who actually rocked that when he came here on Scott's Great American Vacation. Which was uh, fantastic, or holiday, whatever. It's the holiday season, so it's been hard for me to just decipher the difference between vacation and holiday. Um, if you come over to the UK, I'll sort that out. <laughs> we'll take care of that real quick. So please, guys, make sure to head on over to T Public. Support us that way. We love everything that you guys are doing for us, and we appreciate the support all the way. Thank you, guys, for listening to another epic episode of Talking Far, Far Away here from the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. And as we always say, may the force be with you. Always.